David Watts on Mix 93.8. Welcome to it. It's a Monday night. It's What's Involved. And uh, my special guest in studio with me tonight from the finance team, we've got uh, the MD of the finance team, Grant Robson, as well as Richard Angus, the CEO. Gentlemen, good evening. Welcome. Hi, David. Great. Thanks for having us again. Can't believe it's been uh, almost almost a full two years yeah, since we were last in in studio so thanks very much for the for the invite yeah well that's what i was saying i mean i couldn't believe it i was insistent that it was a year but no it's not it's nearly two it's years it's been two yeah. years dave but you're getting thanks very much for having us here. i am you can see the gray hairs and everything yeah um, I, I can testify to two years <laughs> if i can see it <laughs> two years of odd living. we can see us with two years dave. <laughs> um but i thought it would only be fitting i mean we finished off the last show with mm-hmm. you guys um, you guys did w- walk a bit of a journey with us, and I think it was it was great fun. And I believe we set a standard, um, and we, we we set a standard for what a business show should be about—not just in terms of the entrepreneurial side, but in terms of business de- business development, motivational stuff. And uh, the show was missed. A testament to that today was when I posted on Facebook. Man, everybody wants to listen, and everybody wanted to come on the show. So uh, that's nice, and I think it's a testament to what you guys have done wow. as well. Well, thanks for giving us the opportunity to be here this evening. It's great so, to be here. So when, when we were first uh, talking the, that two years ago, as I said, um, finance team, you guys had been running for a while. You were kind of doing your thing. Um, what's happened in two years? Uh, how is the finance team? How are you guys doing? Yeah, thanks, Dave. We've, uh, we've grown nicely over the, over the last two years. I think last year was a, was a tough one for um, all South Africans. I think the economy took a... a a bit of a backseat. Um, so you know, we, we saw it in our clients. Things really stagnated a bit last year. But uh, you know, on the whole, over the last two years, we've done very nicely. We've got a team of close to um, 30 associates on board now, mainly here in Gauteng, but we've got a small team running down in Durban uh, and, a, and a, a small team in Cape Town. So on the whole, we, we can't complain, but uh, I think last year was... Uh, was was yeah. quite tough for everybody. Yeah, I think we've definitely seen, I've definitely seen a, a fundamental shift coming out of the ANC elective conference mm-hmm. into the start of this new year. Um, people's attitudes have definitely shifted. I think with uh, Soror Ramaphosa as the president, I think we've really seen a shift in mindset, if nothing else. Wait, I want to get onto that at some stage because you guys sort of keep fingers very closely on the pulse there because um, I've seen lots of hysteria lately running around land acquisitions it's time for us to leave so let's touch on that maybe if we can later on mm-hmm. but but more importantly um richard tell us what who are the finance team what do you guys actually do okay so the finance team we provide part-time and interim financial executives into companies that are looking for the financial experience and skill set to assist them in growing their business um, our primary focus is really on providing people with the experience curve without having to go through the uh, expense of having a full-time resource, so five days a week. Um, we also provide interim support to, to companies, uh, the traditional, let's call it maternity leave, somebody's sick, somebody's resigned, we need somebody to, uh, to fill a hole. Um, we also need another set of hands, we're doing an acquisition, a disposal, whatever it may be, we need a good experienced skill set. For us, it's all about giving our clients people that have been around the block multiple times, they're experienced, they're knowledgeable, they're able to bring their knowledge to bear very quickly and very efficiently with clients, and we're actually able to add value from day one. We, we really strive with our no long-term contract approach, so literally you're a 30-day commitment with us, and we really try to add value from day one 
And we don't lock you into any long-term contracts. It's about value add, and it's about making sure that we're actually able to help you grow your business. So that's what we focus on. Now, Grant, what sort of what size businesses? I, I mean, um, just from from talking to you, I, I'm guessing sort of mid-level up to to the very big big corporates. Yeah, so um, you know, we if we if we look at the two different kind of models that we look at, the part-time and the interim. Typically, your part-time engagement would be you know getting a part-time FM or a part-time FD um, into your business, uh, and that could be from anything from one one day a week to five days a week um, or a combination of full days and half days and those companies are typically in the region of probably nothing less than 10 15 million rand all the way up to a uh, privately owned company that's turning over a billion rand and then on the on the interim side you've got your larger corporates as richard mentioned that that need somebody to come in five days a week for a project uh, for three months six months or come and hold the fort for um, a certain amount of time, and they're looking for very experienced people that have been there, done that, hit the ground running from day one, um, and and those can be anything from three months to two years, um, and and those those kind of companies can be you know multi multi billion rand turnover companies. Mm-hmm. Now the question I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to direct it at you, uh, Richard. Uh, so I mean, what makes you guys qualified to do this? Because this is, you're talking serious stuff. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to pick your team, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm. a little bit of your background. Where do you come from that qualifies you to do this? Okay, so both myself and Grant are qualified CAs. Um, we've both got experience. I, I held of 13 years of uh, banking experience in the first RAND group. Grant spent time in the Velapanda group. Um, we've both been CFOs of large entities and worked with large entities where you have to have a, your finger on the pulse and be able to actually make the decisions that our clients are having to face every day. So we've helped and worked with people from, call it, let's call it your entry level, uh, people who are processing transactions all the way through to boards of directors and, and the likes. So we know and understand when we sit opposite a CEO or a CFO or an FD, we know and understand exactly what they're experiencing because we've been in those seats and we understand the issues that they're facing um you know this isn't a case of oh will somebody send us an email um and and that'll be the brief that you'll work from in fact we have an approach where we say we'd like to sit down and meet with the the business line manager the cfo ceo etc and if we're unable to do that we're not actually sure we're able to assist you because what i can gain in a 15 minute conversation you can write you can write pages for me, and I still wouldn't understand the real issues. Mm-hmm. So it's about that conversation and understanding where the organization is and what their challenges are, and you only get that through the experience curve. Okay, great. And, and just to add, you know, we've, uh, Richard and I have been in, in this industry now for close on, on nine years, hmm. uh, and we've had hundreds of clients uh, that we've seen in, in a come through the doors. So um, we've had a lot of good experience in terms of what goes wrong in these clients. Um, more importantly, we know our people very well. We're not a recruitment company as such. We're more of a, of a consultancy. So we choose the profile of individual that we want to come on board and represent our brand. Um, we take a proper brief from the client. And as CAs, uh, hopefully we can get that right. And I think we do most of the time. Uh, but probably more importantly for the client is that we don't provide them with five CVs. We come back and we'll say, here's the one individual that we know very well. They're in our team. Um, they've been chosen by us. And more importantly, we know they can get the job done. Uh, so, you know, interview them. Uh, if, you, if you don't like them, obviously we'll, we'll have a look at it again. Yeah. Uh, that's never really happened. I don't think in the last uh, five years that we've been under the TFT um, uh, banner. So it takes a lot of the, the risk away from 
your typical mm. kind of recruitment environment where um, you know CEOs and CFOs of, of, of companies are having to go through hundreds of, of, of CVs uh, and then sit down and take more time to go and interview people. We come in with, okay, what is your issue? We understand your issue. More importantly, here's the one person that we know can get the job done. Because I would imagine fit would be incredibly important. So I, I perhaps push the, the limit on this. I always say 40% of what we do is technical. 60% is about getting the fit right. If you don't get the fit right, if people aren't able to trust the people that are on the ground dealing with their financial affairs and their financial management, well, the reality is we probably cannot assist you and we cannot help you. Um, getting the fit right is, is critical. If, if that trust factor isn't there, it's not what's on the email or on a piece of paper. It's the conversations. It's the you know, stuff that you hear at the water cooler, so to speak, that actually becomes the real fundamental issues in your business. I mean, Grant and I often talk about it, but when you're, you know, you're a small company, you, you can make one or two minor errors in judgments and calls, and you probably will survive. But when you're a you know, 50 million rand uh, company and you make a fundamental you know, decision and it's flawed, you can actually say goodbye to your company. If mm. you're not careful, you know, one or two key decisions that are not informed by, you know, we talk about financial science behind your number, uh, in, in your numbers. If, if you don't have those numbers and you don't have high levels of trust in those numbers, you can make some really bad calls and that could be the end of your company. And just to just to add on to that, you know, you you find that most entrepreneurs that have built their businesses from from the ground up, and that have survived four or five years and got to a certain stage, uh, they haven't got there by chance. Uh, they've mm -hmm. got there because they they're damn good at what they do. They they know their industry well. They know their products or their services very well, um, and they're very good at executing it. But they do lack sometimes on that on that financial science that uh, Rich is talking about. So when we talk about putting financial science behind your gut feel as an entrepreneur. Um, we, we can provide that by you know, putting somebody into your business that can you know, run the numbers for you, in, you know, uh, all your income, all your costs, your margins, have they been thought out correctly? And Come up with the, with the cash flows. <laughs> cash flow, yeah, cash flows. Have you got enough cash actually to, to, to get where you want to go? Um, and I think once entrepreneurs have got the, uh, you know, the gut feels good and the numbers and the science backs that up, they're a lot more confident to go down, you know, to go down that, that, that road. So, yeah. You know, it's, I'm smiling now. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty, well, it, it might well be uh, on television. So people could see me smiling. Uh, but um, I was smiling because I've started a business before. I've run businesses yeah. before. And then I, I kind of went into the consulting thing. And then I went into, it was sort of like a full-time contract where I was, I was um, being the, the, the GM of a, of a group of companies. And I just don't play well in the sandpit with other children. So um, <laughs> I decided I was going to venture out again on my own with my own business. However, before when I was very much, don't bore me with the details, this time I've got a partner and an investor. And let me tell you, <laughs> it's very very different and um i know when i start we'll, we'll, i'd like to talk a little bit about that and and, and mm -hmm. share something with you guys because i know you're going to laugh because when i'm going to tell you some of the things it's stuff that we've spoken about before and i kind of poo-pooed it at the time right? Pfft, entrepreneurs don't bore me with the details we'll do this thing we don't need any of that 
and it struck me how important it is. It is what's involved on this Monday night, and uh, I'm David Watts, my guest in studio uh, from the finance team. We've got MD Grant Robson and the CEO Richard Angus chatting to us about uh, a little bit about the finance team, and we're t- chatting about entrepreneurship in general. So we'll be back in just a bit with that. David Watts on Mix 93.8. It is what's involved on a Monday night. We're going to be back each and every Monday between 6 and 7. My guests in studio with me from the finance team, the MD Grant Robson and Richard Angus, CEO. So just before the break, we were talking and I said, okay, I'm going to share this with you um, because uh, I... When we last met, um, I was kind of going off radio and I was I had been running my own sort of consultancy for a bit, but it was very much a one man show. Went in um as a as a GM position um on a contractual basis for somebody else, didn't play well in the sandpit with the other children. Um I'm very much like you're not the boss of me, don't tell me what to do. Um and uh then decided that I was gonna go into what's involved and and turn it into essentially a media company, a content creation company. Um, Realized that I needed an investor. I couldn't do this by myself. Um, And it sounds like a great idea, but it comes with a whole bunch of responsibility. Um, And my partner is, is an entrepreneur, entrepreneur as well, but very, very much financially minded. Um, and I was just saying over the weekend, I was, I was saying to my girlfriend, ah, yes, when I started off, you know, what are you going to do for this year? I'm going to make a million rand. You know, first year in business, million rand. I think that's not too sort of, you know, uh, no, no. Because when we had to sit down with budgeting and everything, I need to make a whole lot more to make a profit. Um, and it's the most amazing thing because you guys, and I remembered some of the lessons that you taught me about budgeting and forecasting when we when we spoke before and it is i must admit as soon as you you start scaling the business up it's those little things that can that can trip you up am i correct in saying this or am i just being an idiot uh, i think you are 100% correct um what we find with with entrepreneurs is um uh, they've got great products they've got great services but they tend as they as they grow they tend not to get the foundations right they don't get the basics right and what I mean by that is they don't, don't you know, they don't get um, um, you know people systems uh, processes those kind of things are, are are ignored, and when you start scaling your business and you start getting to a certain size, um, that's when that starts to come and bite you, uh, because you haven't got the capability to grow at the right speed that you need to uh, in order to maintain your profitability. Um, so you know that's we often go into clients and we find we have to overhaul systems and people and processes and becomes a really critical part of what we do. Uh, and then yes, the really critical elements again. Where are you going with your with your business? Are you doing for, uh, budgets? Are you doing forecasting? Do you understand the profit the, um, the profit um, engine of your business? Do you know Do you know where what, what your margins are? Do you understand your working capital um, and how that cycle is working? Are you converting your turnover into cash, your profit cash? And m- most most uh, small companies uh, don't don't get there quick enough. And as and what happens then is when they start scaling and and and, and they start growing too quickly. They, they get caught in a cash flow problem. Which is, it's, it's amazing because, I mean, you know, I've, I've often said that running your own business is the most exciting, scariest thing you can ever do in your life. I mean, it is. Unless you've done it, it does. It is scary. You get that horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach, particularly when it gets to month end. Like, am I going to make target this month? Am I going to be able to pay the people 
that are relying on me and and I've noticed I'm used to essentially running a one man a one man band um now I have staff I have people that work with me I have a support structure now suddenly there's all of those people to worry about as well uh Richard I see you nodding <laughs> I always used to laugh uh, back in the days of banking, in my banking days. We used to, you have the concept of the self-employed individual and the salaried individual. And I always used to laugh because I I would see these home loan applications coming in from self-employed individuals who would be given, I tell you, they would be put through the ringer by the credit guys in the banks looking at their financials and their business and like really getting intensely engaged. But that same person's secretary would merely produce a payslip and she'd be getting her home loan. And I I used to laugh at this and used to think to myself, who's actually in control of the destiny here, the employee or the entrepreneur that's running the business? It hasn't changed, eh? Yeah. Can I tell you it hasn't changed? Um, You guys have have heard me talk about him before. You've met him, a very good friend of mine. We do a lot of work together. Uh, Tim Keyes, he owns a company called The Sales Institute. He's just been through that very thing where eventually he sort of threw his hands up in there and went, what else do you need? Do you want to know what color my underwear is and what shoe size I am? And yet his, his sister who does, he does some finance stuff for him is a salaried employee. Home loan, one, two, three, have a nice day. Yep. So it still carries on. Yeah. And, anyway. and it just shows how people perceive risks around entrepreneurship and business ownership versus ding, ding, 25th of the month, that's the SMS with the money arriving in the bank. And, I know. Uh, there yeah. are days, I will be honest, there are days I long for, for that, ding that, ding. that simple ding, ding, you know, <laughs> and it's, you know, then you get to moan and complain about it's not enough and how am I going to do it? Once you're on the other side of the fence, you're like, I'm just so grateful I made it. And of course, um, you know, when you're starting off, uh, it's, it's, it's so, so important to get those kind of things right. Now, you guys as the finance team, a little person like me, under normal circumstances, I'm, I'm, I'm way too little a fish for you. However, do you guys still have that same philosophy that, you, that you, you're more than happy to dispense advice? I mean, I know on your website you've got some amazing resources. Yeah, so, you know, the, the reality is we're providing a service to a client base. They have to be able to obviously afford that service. Yeah. Um, so there is, a, there is almost, let's call it a cutoff point in terms of si- uh, size that makes sense. But the reality is the, a lot of the information that we have out there, our blogs, the, you know, the stuff we've done, shows on various radio stations, etc. those are all there. We put them out on our website, www.thefinanceteam.co.za, and people can go in, download them, have a look, uh, you know, read the blogs. Uh, we've got a few ebooks. So, yeah, just the reality is the information is out there. There's some great publications as well. Entrepreneur Mag is always a good place to go mm-hmm. looking for some insights. Um, and yeah, there's there's stuff out there. People have to though put in the effort to read and and engage. And I think also, Dave, we we we, we realise that it's a it's an expensive resource. Um, you know, high level financial executives they don't come cheap. But um, I think our model is suited um, to the entrepreneur because we can be flexible in terms of delivering that service. So. 
You know, we, we want to get involved with, with, with companies uh, and be with them for two, three years. In fact, we've got some of our clients that we've had, I think, three or four of them that we've had for four years now. Four years plus. Uh, and we only go in maybe a day a week or two days a week um, mm-hmm. because of exactly what you're talking about. Um, they can't afford somebody four days a week. So uh, y- your delivery is obviously going to be um, extended uh, in terms of time because you're only there one or two days a week. Um, but, you know, we try and make it a, a, as affordable um, from a budget point of view as we, as we possibly can while still de- delivering a good service. I mean, I found, like I said, I mean, I know that we've, we've done a, a number of shows on, on different topics in, in the past. Um, you've been on other radio stations. You've got, as, as Richard said, you've got those resources on your website currently. Um, your, your newsletter, I, I read that every month. I skip over the long words I don't understand. But I mean, it's very <laughs> informative. Um, the last one was, was all about the budget and, and yes. what to do and how I, to I do. I wrote that one. Dave. Yes. Thanks very much. <laughs> I know. That's right. Long words. <laughs> it's like Marmite. <laughs> uh, but it, it is so vitally, vitally important. If there are people, and uh, I think maybe what we should do is we'll come back and then we'll talk about this um, for people who are in my position currently who are are just starting up their 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 business so it's it's still their, it's a fledgling it's their baby and it may be from somebody as simple as a one-man show up to up to bigger businesses maybe people get funding etc etc um i'd like to just chat a little bit about entrepreneurship and, and how you guys define it and what we're all about and uh what things people like me need to look out for um, because I know that there's there's a couple of things and there's some pitfalls. You guys have come across it, so you know what to do there. It is what's involved on a Monday night. My guests in studio from the finance team, Grant Robson and uh, Richard Angus. David Watts on Mix 93.8. It is what's involved on this Monday evening. I'm in studio with Grant Robson, Richard Angus of the finance team. So just before the break, we said that we were going to talk about, you know, people that are in my sort of... T- business starting off going out resources what to do how to do why to do um just a quick one where i mentioned your newsletter to to get onto your newsletter just the finance team.co.za sign up there yeah, just Correct. sign up there and uh, you'll get uh, once a month be sent out a, a newsletter so you'll be on that mailing list which is brilliant. Okay, so now off air, and, and isn't this t- typical of radio? Uh, off air, very often, most of the interesting conversations happen. Um, and I think that's maybe because we can use more colorful language. Uh, but, but we were talking where I am now, and I'm sort of, I come from the background of, of having a CC in it initially and then being a sole proprietor. Now, suddenly, I'm, I'm, I'm staring down the barrel of a PTY. And it, it scares me. So I'm thinking automatically, okay, it's PTY. I need to get you people at 120,000 rand a month. Uh, is this the case? I, well, I, we, we don't mind if you want to pass. <laughs> <laughs> More than happy there, Dave. Yeah, I'm not necessarily, Dave. I think um, it shouldn't be scary at all. In fact, uh, trading as a sole proprietor opens you up to a hell of a lot more risk, actually. Mm. Um, so, um, if, if you are running through a, a, a PTY or the old CCs, they're still out there, but you can't you can't register new ones. Uh, you can register PTY Limited, but what you're doing there is you're effectively creating a new legal persona, and that that legal person's got their own um, uh, limited liability. So, you as a as an owner of that company, as a shareholder of that company you will be limited in terms of your liability. So don't be scared of it. In fact, you should actually rather embrace these legal avenues that have been uh, afforded us uh, th- through um, the, the Companies Act uh, and use them accordingly. I think 
I think what, what might scare people is how you actually go about running these, uh, these companies and all the red tape involved around the admin, such as uh, income statements, balance sheets, uh, they have to be submitted to, to, to SARS, VAT returns, pay-as-you-earn returns. I think that's more scary than the fact that you have to or want to operate through a, a, a P2I limited company. VAT scares me. I wish the rest of our government was af- as efficient as SARS. Richard, you had something you wanted to say. Yeah, I was going to say, Dave, I think what we must remember is the Companies Act has been uh, redone recently. And in terms of the new Companies Act, you know, people talk about PTY limited companies and they immediately go, massive audits and you know a whole lot of compliance requirements the new companies act actually takes into account and it, it uses a principle called the public interest score so what it does is it actually recognizes that there are small companies and large companies and the requirements actually scale based on the public interest score so i.e how much how much exposure you have as an entity to the general public out there and how much more you you should be compliant and how much more compliance you should have so for example uh, a small entity your one man entity like you're referring mm. to a small partnership you're not going to have a high public interest score so you're not for example going to require an audit okay you require what's known as an independent review now an independent review is tantamount to what your accounting officer was doing in a close corporation so they they've brought those two worlds very close together okay. on the other side when you're a big uh, listed entity your public interest score is significantly higher and you will find yourself with a requirement to have two auditing firms if you're a bank or a financial institution you know and, and the requirements are out there and you will be required to rotate auditors and all of those requirements are all there but they don't necessarily apply when it's dave's pty limited mm, okay so now just just going back to that uh, uh, for somebody who's who's sort of in that deciding can you still get i remember when i started off i got a shelf um cc a shelf company and then just had to go through the renaming process um so two-part question can you still get cc's shelf cc's and what would your advice be to somebody that's in this position where i am it's like i've got pty looming over here and a business partner that says that is the only way to go and me going oh it's a bit scary so cc's as they uh, at the time of the, uh, the New Companies Act, any CCs that existed at that point still remain in existence and are not forced to become PTY limited. You can convert a CC to a PTY limited ele- on, an, on an election. Okay. Um, you don't have to convert. So there's no forced conversion. What's really important to remember is that a CC cannot have non-natural persons as a member, the only... <clears throat> the only exemption there is a trust that can be a member of a CC, but then the trust cannot have more than 10 beneficiaries being natural persons. So the maximum number of, let's call it natural members of a CC is up to 10, and there is the uh, trust element that you could use, but then you're also restricted on the size of the trust. Once you're an entity that's going to have more than 10 people involved in terms of membership, you're forced to be a PTY anyway okay um the, the reality is if you were to say to me should i be a pty or a cc or keep should i keep my cc that i have right now yeah. or convert it to a pty limited uh, the reality is the pty limited is the way the world has moved the south african economic system has moved if you remain a cc you may not 
have any downside directly, but there is a perceptual downside perhaps. And I think you have less credibility because you almost seem to be stuck in the past. Um, you know, you've kept your CC status. You haven't moved into a PTY limited. Why haven't you done this? You know, why would you not want to do a conversion? People may start asking questions further down the line. I'm talking five years down the mm. line, etc. Well, that, it makes sense now that you explained <clears throat> that to me that you can have sort of, you know, you don't have to have those massive auditors. But I'm assuming, uh, like in my circumstances, where it's essentially a company that is mm. investing in okay. my company, so then it has to be... Then you don't have a choice. Then it's then you got don't to be a, a PTY. Yes, okay. then it's got to be a PTY. Okay. And you asked a question also about things like shelf companies. Yes. Okay, so shelf companies have... There's always been a, a, a number of issues around shelf entities. Um, the reality is with SIPSI going the way they have in terms of electronic registration of companies, etc., it is often quicker to register a brand new entity and get all of your paperwork done online, then to buy an entity and then do a name change, which is often done manually and takes longer. So people always used to say, oh, I'm buying a shelf because the company's already there. I just need to change the name. Well, you can register a company now in, in sometimes in measure it in days, whereas a conversion of a name of an existing company could take you in the weeks. So th that kind of rationale has been done away with because of the way SIPC has done their electronic systems. They've just made it so much easier to, to create the companies. The other problem that you've got when you buy a shelf company, you've got to be really careful about where that company comes from. Because if you're not dealing with a reputable agent who's selling you the shelf, um, you could very well be inheriting somebody else's problems. Problems, tax issues, legal liability issues. Remember, it is a legal entity. It has legal standing, and if it's been used before without your knowledge, uh, you could very well find yourself with a, with a challenge. Be very, very careful about where you buy and who you use to register shelf companies. Yeah, but, it, but essentially, I mean, you've demystified quite a lot the the PTY thing. So, so the advice is move with the PTY, particularly looking to the future. Yeah. Grant, anything to add on that? Um, maybe, you know, just going back a, a step or two, you mentioned uh, before the end of the last break about, um, you know, some advice on uh, to entrepreneurs. Um, yes. And I, and I think around the, the, you know, around their, their financial structures and the kind of people they bring in um, to, to look after their, their, their finances. Um, it's a bit of a chicken and egg, and I think it, it, it takes quite a... Uh, it's a bit of a balancing act because you know you don't want to you, you want to get value for your money you want to get a bang for your buck as we like to like to call it um, but you don't need to bring in a you know a FD that's had 40 years experience into an organisation that's been going for two years with a couple of thousand transactions it's really going to be a you know debit and credits and a really simple trial balance um, in a roundabout way what I'm trying to say is you need to be very careful about the amount of spend uh, that you're going to be spending on your financial expertise at the right time in your business. And I think there are definite cutoff um, um, uh, or, or growth spurts that you can identify when you would need to bring in number one bookkeepers and clerks and then uh, accountants, financial accountants, financial managers and financial directors. Um, and a lot of entrepreneurs out there don't know the difference and they don't know the difference between somebody who maybe did a BCom in um, financial management as opposed to somebody who did a BCom accounts or CTA. Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of a technical ability, there is a big difference and they wouldn't know that. It does come with a, with a, with a bigger price tag as well. Um, so, 
Now we can we could certainly be, uh, advise people accordingly as to what level of in, uh, of individual they should be bringing into their cl- into their, their companies, so as to get uh, the right timing and the the accuracy of the information. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Um, an, an entrepreneur, an owner of a company, he he wants a, a trial balance and he wants an income statement and a balance sheet and a cash flow that's on time and it's accurate. Because that is what's going to be used to make decisions. And mm. at the end of the day, if you can't get that, you can't make the right decisions. Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't know if it's just me, if you guys have had this experience as well. Very often when you when you get into the business and you're starting to grow, it's you're sort of at the coalface the whole time. Um, and, and you tend to, in weird and wonderful ways, inherit staff or people that are working for you. And you become used to this, but then you get to that stage and you're now needing to make those kind of decisions or even decisions based around who to hire next. Um, have you had experience like that? Well, I, I think the, the easiest way to answer that question is um, when we get called into a client and we sit down in front of entrepreneurs, and I'm not talking now sitting down in front of a, a CFO of a large corporate. I'm talking about a, a CEO of a company, a family-owned business. I think I can pretty much guarantee that if I had a list of 10 um, pain points that that individual will have, at least five of those 10 will come up every single time that we sit down with, uh, with an entrepreneur. And it typically comes down to things like um, my information that I'm getting, I just don't, I have no comfort with the information. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to be accurate. It doesn't fit, doesn't fit with, my, with my gut feel. Uh, the margins that I should be getting, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting. I don't understand where my cash is gone. Uh, my stock levels are too high. My working capital is a mess. Uh, and this is the reason why they start bringing in you know, more highly qualified and experienced financial individuals. I don't know if that's answered the question. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Absolutely, absolutely it did. Uh, it's, again, it's almost time for us to wrap up. Uh, before we do, though, um, I said I wanted to ask you the question. Um, I know you guys very much in terms of, of the, the, the financial state of the country and what's happening. You monitor that kind of stuff very carefully. Obviously, you have to, um, considering your backgrounds, the clients that you deal with. So um, you, you sounded very positive um, Richard, earlier on when you said uh, with the, the sort of uh, change of president, uh, you know, that, that seemed like a good thing. So Ramaphosa seems like a good person. And then I was also very, very sort of positive. I thought this year was going to be a great year. And then suddenly we hear these, these murmurings and it becomes more than murmurings. And there's, I don't know, am I right in, in saying almost a, a sense of hysteria about land invasions and land claims, et cetera, et cetera? Is that media, is that hype? How is the country sort of poised to look at this kind of stuff from a financial perspective? Oh, hang on. If I turn your mic on, it works. Dave, I think, you know, the big issue for me is at the end of the day, you know, you've got to actually look at the financial fundamentals that underpin a country and its economy. At the end of the day, as I always say, you can make any uh, political policy you like, but somebody's got to pay for all of this. Um, The taxpayer's got to pay for it. Um, At the end of the day, government can only borrow themselves to a certain point, and we're kind of at that point where you can't borrow any more from the markets. Um, You know, there there is an upper ceiling. It's just, it's not an ever never-ending money tree out there. So the reality is you've got to keep your fundamentals inside the country stable. When you start raising questions about assets and asset ownership, and remember, I mean, everybody's having a big thing about land, but actually the statements actually go a lot further than land in in some Mm. of the statements that are being made. You know, the reality is that 
you know, the, the rational part of me says, everybody, take a deep breath. Let's just think this through. Um, in my opinion, it's a nice, let me call it emotional card that has been oh, very kind much. of pulled very out much. and played. It is getting an emotional response from from many quarters. It is getting, a very, uh, you know, almost, let's call it, illogical response from from some quarters both for and against and I, I kind of sit back and say well guys let's just think this through if you want to you know put land ownership on the on the line for example um, basically what you're doing is you're saying you're happy for every bank in this country to go and do unsecured lending there's a little problem with that. Every single bank in this country has a fiduciary responsibility in terms of the Banks Act to protect depositors' funds. Okay, and that's the money you and I put into the bank. Okay, that money is used to lend to people to buy homes and farms and all the and commercial enterprises. If that's under threat, well, then your money that you put into the bank is under threat. Are we ready to close the banking system in this country? Has anybody thought that one through yet? Is that on the EFF? Uh, ANC list of things that they would like to see collapse because that has fundamental issues in the you know in the bigger economy. Are we all going back to the dark ages and the candle? Yeah. Um, you know, and and when you say that, then everybody goes. It's like oh, but reality, guys. The moment you tell a bank that you can take land without compensation, effectively, what you're saying is all banks, please stop lending immediately, and you know you freeze the system. They're not thinking this through. So there's yeah there's a lot of rhetoric if you ask me um, a lot of um, mis- uh, I think I think there's a lot of intent um, and people trying to redress issues of the past but they're not thinking it through. It's not being done properly. Grant, you you wanted to add something? Yeah, I, you know I think uh, Richard's hundred uh, percent right in 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 respect of the fact that there's there's a there's an election next year, right? I mean that that in mm. itself just says a hell of a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of emotional um, issues that are are, are being uh, put out there uh, for. For votes, I think a lot of it. Um, so next year we're going to we'll see how far that gets people. I think from from my personal point of view, um, if you look at what happened in South Africa in '94 um, and the lead up to '94 from uh, from 1989, 1990 when Mandela came out, yeah. the reason why we got to a negotiated settlement in the country is because Nelson Mandela was able to sit down with. Um, different races, different creeds, different colours. He showed them all um, the right kind of respect. Um, and as a result of that, uh, we were able to sit around um, at Kadesa and come up with a uh, an agreement. We call that our new constitution. Mm. I think what's missing now is that there's very little respect shown to certain individuals and certain parties and certain maybe races in, in South Africa. Uh, that's polarizing people. Um, it's actually... I think the the aim is to is, is to is to create a divide between people, uh, and if you don't get that right, it's going to be very difficult uh, to to handle these issues that we talk very 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 mm-hmm. emotional, very sensitive and very topical issues that have to be have to be sorted out. But mm-hmm. you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it when you're showing people disrespect. And we where are the nation builders uh, in '94, in 1990, '91? They were around. I'm batting to see the nation builders around me at the moment, and I think if we can if if, if we can find them. And if we can sit, sit around behind uh, um, uh, tables and negotiate these critical areas, uh, there's a future for South Africa. If not, uh, we could be in trouble. I'd like to believe, I'm a bit naive, I'd like to believe that, uh, that, that there, there, there is this emerging middle class that is 
a huge percentage of our population at the moment. And I'd like to think that those people are like you and I, and uh, we want growth, we want prosperity, um, and we want the best for our country, and we want to be able to bring our children up in a safe environment. I think cooler heads will prevail. But I, th- I think, but if you just look at the at the results of the the last elections, uh, the national elections, the municipal elections, you know, I think it's your 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 fringe elements uh, that are really radical. Mm. The, the majority of South Africans doesn't matter if you're black, white, Indian, coloured. We just want to we, we want to live together. We want to make our country um, great. Yeah, and, we, and and probably most importantly, we want to make it. Um, a country where we don't have this rampant uh, poverty and you look around every day and see you know, people living on the streets and begging at uh, every street corner. We, who wants to see that? We don't, none of us want that. Uh, and the only way we can get out of that is if we do work together and we come up with uh, policies and, um, and, solutions. and solutions that are going to benefit all South Africans, black and white. Uh, yeah. So hopefully we've got the right leaders out there now that can get this, get this, uh, get this plan on on the road I believe we do our hour is up gentlemen thank you so much for coming in uh, the first know. edition of uh, what's involved for 2018 uh, it's been absolutely fantastic having you guys here again if you'd like to get uh, hold of, of of the finance team it's the finance team.co.za um, we also on my website for the next couple of days we're going to be putting the the audio of this I'll make the audio available to you guys as well so we're putting out in podcast film um, we have filmed it as well so if you'd like to watch it um, I just have to speak to Donovan about editing my ugly mug out there but uh, we'll see what happens um, I noticed Grant and I have both been sitting a little sideways tonight <laughs> Richard however like an absolute star it's my best side <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen thank you so much have yourselves a Thanks fantastic Monday uh, and I'm sure we're going to have you back in the studio uh, and I do look forward to it David Watts on Mix 93.8